Well, good morning, New Hope. Welcome today in person, online. Glad you're here today as we conclude our series called Hands to the Plow. And it's been a series where we want to call each one of us to be faithful and maintain pursuing what Jesus has called his church to pursue. And that is seeking out and reaching lost people and helping them to be found. So what do cell phones and glasses and keys all have in common? What do they have in common? Well, we all need them, right? And we all, what I think I heard of it, we all lose them, right? We all lose those three things, right? And when we find them, what do we do? We rejoice, we rejoice. Hey, can anyone see my cell phone? Cell phone. Hey, could you call my cell phone, please? Could you call my cell You know, and we're trying to figure it out all over the place, trying to find them, right? Our keys, right? You know, we. I'll tell you right now, you're like starting to pack away your winter stuff, your coats, you know, like, hey, I don't need it anymore. Check the pockets. Check the pockets. We found our car keys last fall because it's always in the winter coat from last year, right? So check the pockets. It's incredible. It's something we need, right? It reminds me of a couple stories of this whole idea of lost and found. Here at New Hope Community Church, we used to uh, rake all the leaves over at Pine Village, which is a, a senior living area just off of Main Street. And we had used our 7 by 24 foot trailers to fill all those leaves up and we had dump them on our land over here. And I remember uh, dumping those leaves out uh, one Saturday and one of the guys helping is like, oh, wait, stop, everybody. I lost my cell phone. You know, I just got it from work. And it's in the leaves somewhere. Well, I mean, there were leaves all over the field. Half of this big trailer was already emptied. And we're like, all right, well, we'll call it. Well, oh, I got it on silent, right? We, don't we always have it on silent when we get it? You know what? It's on silent. Well, what color is it? What's the case color? Camouflage. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? You got to be kidding me. But we're all like, okay, we're just going to pause. We're going to pray. We pause, prayed, and then start mulling around, looking in that. I mean, within minutes, we found it. And was there rejoicing? Yeah, he was rejoicing because, boy, I just got it for work, right? And we were rejoicing because it's like, man, how do you find that in all of this, right? I read an amazing story of an 84-year-old woman, Mary Grams, who was devastated when she lost her wedding ring in her big garden. She was so embarrassed that she went out and bought a cheaper version of the ring. She never told her husband, but she only told her son. Well, 13 years later, her son and daughter-in-law were over for dinner. Her daughter-in-law was making the salad, decided to go out to the back garden to get some carrots. And she pulls up a carrot, and there is a carrot growing through the ring, and she brings it in and tells her husband, I found this ring on this carrot. And he's like, I know who that is. It's my mom's. 13 years later, they were rejoicing in what was lost, but now was found, right? And do you know what God rejoices over when it is found? Lost people. Do you know what God rejoices over when it's found? Lost people. It's awesome. What does the term lost mean? 
when it comes to lost people. Well, the term lost is used in the Bible to refer to persons who are separated from God and have not yet found eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's how the Bible describes lost people. They're separated from God and have yet to find eternal life in Christ. Now, in the Bible, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about something that was lost and then found. But before I share these three stories, I want to give you the backdrop or the context or the setting of why Jesus was telling these three stories. Okay, I'm going to read Luke 15.1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders called tax collectors and sinners people of the land. That was their phrase for them, people of the land. The Pharisaic regulations in that culture were very strict. When a man or woman was considered a people of the land, you could not entrust money to them. You would not take their testimony as serious. You would not trust a secret to them. You would not appoint him or her to be over the care of an orphan. You would not give them oversight of any charitable fund. You would not travel with them. And if you could do business without them, you would do business without them. This is why the religious leaders were shocked that Jesus was hanging out with the people. There will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. But this is what they would say. There will be joy in heaven when one sinner is obliterated before God. That's how they approached it. Because of this interaction with the religious leaders, Jesus tells then these three stories about that which was lost but now found to clarify to the religious leaders the importance, the value, the love, and the hope that God has for lost people or people of the land as they referred to him. And so Jesus starts out and he tells the story about a lost sheep. Now, when Jesus used stories, he used stories that would make sense in the context of the culture that he lived in. And so he lived around a bunch of shepherds, so he told the story of the lost sheep. He said, suppose one of you has a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You see, shepherds were personally responsible 
for their sheep, right? If a sheep was lost, the shepherd must at least bring home a piece of the fleece to show how the sheep was killed. There was accountability here. Flocks who were safe at the end of the day would come home on time. But yet when a shepherd would come home on time, and if there was a lost sheep, he would communicate to the neighbors that there was a shepherd still out there looking for his lost sheep. When that shepherd and the sheep would come home, the whole village would rejoice because the lost was found. And so Jesus goes on in the store and he says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. But how does Jesus use this illustration to show the importance of lost people to God? He goes on and he says, I tell you, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so Jesus gives this picture that there's this incredible rejoicing in heaven that takes place when one lost sinner is found, when that individual who was separated from God did not have eternal life, now has a relationship with God and has eternal life. There's rejoicing going on in heaven. Jesus then goes on and tells the second story, the story of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When Jesus was telling this story, he was using the illustration probably of a silver drachma. A silver drachma or this silver coin was basically a day's wage. It was equivalent to a day's wage. So let me ask you this. If you lost a day's wage in your house, $70, $80 in your house, wouldn't you be looking? You would be looking as well, right? And so she's looking for this silver coin. And in a Palestinian home, it's not an easy task. A Palestinian home was very dark. It only had one window. Typically, it was about 18 inches wide. It was a dirt floor, and it was covered with dried reeds. So there was some cushioning. And so literally, to find this silver coin was like looking for a needle in a haystack. And Jesus says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Don't we do the same when it comes to where's my glasses, where are my keys, where's my cell phone? Especially our cell phone, right? We get like, woohoo, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do, right? And that, and we say, call it, can we find it? And when you get, hey, I got it, got it, got it. Right? We rejoice. I mean, just last week I was like, where's the cell phone? Where couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm like, track back, track back. And I happened to be walking through my garage, and you know where I saw it? It was sitting on the back bumper of my truck. <laughs> I'm like, what? That could have been bad. I'm like, who put it there? 
<laughs> right? You know, you're always like, hey, who moved my phone, right? It's never us, right? But man, I was like, oh my goodness, rejoicing that it was found. And what does Jesus say? In the same way I tell you, there's more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Man, there's this rejoicing. You know, God likes the number three. And so Jesus, being his son, tells a third story, a familiar story of the lost son, the prodigal son, right? This father has two sons. The younger son comes to his father and says, Dad, I want my inheritance because I want to leave house. I want to do my own thing, live my own life. And for a son in that culture to ask for his inheritance prior to his father's death was basically telling his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could get my inheritance because I want to get on with my life, right? Well, the father gives him his inheritance. We know this story. He goes off. He blows it in all kinds of wild living to the point where he's eating the food that the pigs are given. And as a Jew, that's unheard of. And he decides, you know what? It's better at home. I'm going to go home. And so he's heading home and it says that his father saw him from a distance. And it says that his father was like, oh, this will be good. He's going to have to come and he's going to have to beg and he's going to have to get on his knees and I'm going to work him hard and there's no way he's going to get anything else from me because he blew it. We don't read that in the story. What we read in the story is when his father saw him coming, he ran after him. He ran after him. He threw his arms around him. He hugged him. He kissed him. He rejoiced in him. And just think about the religious leaders that are listening to Jesus talk about this. Because in that culture too, a man would not run. A man wouldn't pull up his robe and run, show his legs. And Jesus is just like laying it on these religious leaders saying, listen, your father in heaven loves lost people, the people of the land. And he runs after him. We, we were singing about that this morning. He runs after us. He kicks down doors, goes through lies, whatever it is, so that we can be in a relationship with him. And it's a beautiful picture. And this is what the older brother says to the father. Hey, this son of yours who has blown his inheritance, your property with prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fatted calf. Really? And his father replies, and this is the heavenly father's reply. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. Now he's alive, lost, but now he's found. These three stories give a picture of the heart of God toward us all. We're all lost. We've all been there. We're all people of the land. We're all messy. Just who we are apart from Christ. But our Heavenly Father wants us all found. And He wants rejoicing to happen in heaven. 
And I'll tell you, every day there's rejoicing happening in heaven because lost people are being found. There's partying going on in heaven all the time. You know, most of us don't like hang out in hospitals, right? Unless maybe you work there. But otherwise, it's like, like you don't think of like, oh, I think I'll go hang out in a hospital, right? That. But I've been to hospitals, obviously, frequently because of my position as a pastor and all that. And what I uh, enjoy about hospitals the most beyond just visiting with people is that most hospitals, when a baby is born, they play a lullaby or they play some song that signifies that a baby has been born or a chime goes off or whatever. So like when I'm down at Abbott Hospital and that, you're walking through and you hear like, ding, 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 you know, and that is sent throughout the whole hospital so that everybody in that hospital, every employee in that hospital that's dealing with a difficult situation, because that's where hospitals typically happen, right? They're saying, hey, there's been a life that's been born. There's been excitement this morning. There's people that are rejoicing here, even though in the tough times, there's people rejoicing here because babies are being born right and left. And there's this ding, 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 ding as you're walking through the halls. And that's what is happening in heaven today. Ding, 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 or rejoicing, or like, celebrate, good job, come on. You know, right? It's going on. It's going on. And we want to add to it as New Hope Community Church, right? We want to add to the celebrating. We want to get in on the celebrating. And so we are going to continue to keep our hands to the plow in seeking that which is lost and making it found in East Central Minnesota and beyond. That's why we're in this series, Hands to the Plow, being faithful, right? The first Sunday, we talked about our hands to our purpose. What's our, you know, what is our vision here? It's to see East Central Minnesota and beyond filled with the presence of Jesus. How do we get there? By our mission, by developing passionate followers of Jesus Christ. The second week, we talked about keeping our hands to the persevering. Hey, we are going to keep regardless of COVID or racial tension or political tension or whatever economy or this or that, we're going to keep plowing. We're going to keep plowing in season and out. Last week, Pastor Justin talked about our hands to the people, that we are going to continue to run after the Isaiah 61 crowd, which we're all part of, the poor, the broken, the captives, the prisoners. We are wanting to invite them to be with us to be with our Heavenly Father forever, to be found. Rejoice over that, Jesus Christ. That is our desire. We rejoice over that so that there can be more partying in heaven. And this morning, if you're sitting here and if you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you are sitting here and you're separated from him, from eternal life, I just really want to pause right now and give the opportunity for you to acknowledge him as your Savior and Lord, because we have this sin problem that separates us from our Heavenly Father, because he's perfect and we are imperfect, and he can't allow anything perfect in his presence. And the only way that we can be allowed in his presence is through accepting Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and forgiveness of our sin from the cross. And so I want you to just bow your heads for a moment here. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ's offer for salvation, for eternal life, 
to be found in a relationship with your heavenly father. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit, Jesus, I can't do anything to pay for my sin, to make me right with my heavenly father. I accept you as my savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for allowing me to be found now in a relationship with my heavenly father. From here through eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Boy, if you've prayed that prayer here this morning or if you've prayed that online here this morning, wherever you are this morning, we would love to know about that and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. So we just ask you to text in at this number on the screen, 763-200-1453. And just give us your name and say, yes, I made that decision today. So here's reality. Here at New Hope Community Church, we will keep our hands to the plow, our hands to bringing praise and rejoicing to heaven by pursuing that which is lost and bringing it to be found. That is why we've been in this four-week capital campaign so that we can financially continue to plow in this way. So if you've been coming, you've received a brochure that looks like this, or you've been mailed one in the mail, or you'll be getting one, I'd ask that you read through it. On the very back, there's a giving chart which applies to everybody at New Hope. Whether it's, boy, I can give 50000 or I can give $10, whatever it is, for all of us as the family of God to plow together in order to see lost people found. And so please, within the next two weeks, I would ask that you would either drop off your envelope in the giving box here or mail it in so that we can continue the ministry of New Hope Community Church together, together. You know, I want to share with you as we close here, a life story that gives us a picture of the eternal impact of our financial investment, of our love for those who do not yet know Christ. I want to give you a picture of why heaven on a daily basis, moment-to-moment basis, is rejoicing when one is lost and then found. So let's watch this story, and then the worship team will be out to close us off. Hi, my name is Jeff Geisbers. I'm part of Hope Recovery here at New Hope Church. I was once very lost, but now I am found in Jesus, and I have uh, learned about the victory that he can give us in our lives. I've been to prison in three different states, multiple prison sentences, destroyed every relationship and every part of my life to where I was spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, and financially bankrupt. And I got to a point in my life where I needed something when I was in prison in Illinois. I needed saving. And uh, it's the first time that I sought God, uh, even though I, I realized that he was seeking me the whole time. A lot of people always ask me, well, yeah, but why do people find God in prison? 
because that's where they need them. I spent uh, a lot of time digging into the Word and reading it, and I didn't always understand it. And my mind was so burnt from drugs that uh, I had a hard time comprehending it. But he restored even my mind where I could start to understand it. When I started realizing who I was, not what everybody told me, that I was a convict, an addict, a loser, this and that, but that I'm, I'm a child of God and that he loves me and that I'm his friend and, you know, I'm an ambassador for him. Uh, start, these truths started to, more I read them and the more I understood them, the more that they sunk in and the more I realized that uh, he had something good for me. Uh, when it comes to Hope Recovery, what I'm excited about is people's lives transformed. Uh, when they discover the love of Jesus and they get to a point where they, they say yes to when he calls them to speak and it comes out to, uh, you know, our, our uh, verse for Hope Recovery is they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And when you see someone get up there and, and tell their story, it encourages everyone and it just fills us spiritually. And, uh, it's very powerful stuff. It always brings to my mind what Paul said, you know, not that he's attained it, but the one thing he does is not look back. And for me, that is important because I can't drive my car looking in the rearview mirror. I think heaven is rejoicing at the miracles that happen at, Ho at Hope Recovery. Just the life's changed, the people, how I see the growth where they first come in and they can't, they won't talk, they won't answer questions, you know, uh, they look down. It reminds me of, of one of the biggest growths that I look at for myself, how I judge it is, I look at myself in the mirror when I brush my teeth now. I never did that before. I look down the drain. I think when, when people realize the victory that they already have in Jesus, you know, I mean, we're more than conquerors through Christ. And that's why they're partying in heaven, because the lost are found.